What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, everybody. It's your boy, Ethan. Uh, I am sitting here in my home here in Manhattan, Kansas. I just got moved in. I was editing the podcast, and I figured I'd give you guys a little down low on the news, what's hip and happening here on The Crunch. So first of all, we've got our interview coming up with Mikey Needleman. Uh, It's a really good one. You guys are really going to enjoy it. We talk a lot about uh, liturgy and music and how all those things work together because that's definitely a hot topic on Twitter. Um, And I think questions that a lot of people have about, you know, why music is done certain ways in Paris settings – and why music is written and why ministers will pick certain songs. Mikey really goes over a lot of that stuff, and it's actually pretty interesting, um, at least for me. I, I thought it was interesting. You might hate it, but don't tell me or Mikey. Um, but in order to support Mikey, we have a little contest going on. Um, I have his album right sitting right next to me that I'm ready and willing to mail out um, anywhere you live domestically uh, to whoever either – so you're going to be entered into a drawing, right? So if you share our Facebook post that has Mikey's album on it, if you tweet with hashtag the crunch, or if you uh, leave us a review on iTunes and all of those, we're going to jumble them together and we'll do kind of a random generator and whoever wins uh, will get the album mailed to them. And it's a really great album. Mikey does such a good job. Um, it's, 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 he's a great songwriter. Um, so if you're, you should check him out on Spotify um, and then enter the contest and then win the album and I'll send it to you and I'll probably include a little little crunch swag, if you will. So uh, do those things, listen to the episode, enjoy it. Um, we had a really whack setup for this episode, so if the audio is a bit quiet, I really apologize. I've had a few comments about the audio quality lately. Um, we're really doing the best that we can um, to make sure that it all works out. Uh, the next episode with just me and Patrick will be rock solid, but this one with Mikey was a bit tricky because he was actually in person. It was the first interview we did that wasn't over uh, Skype. So please bear with us. Please enjoy the episode. Please give Mikey a follow on uh, Twitter. Listen to his stuff on SoundCloud, or not SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and enter in that contest to win his album. Uh, Thank you guys a bunch. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Crunch, episode 47. It's your boy, Ethan, a.k.a. Bro Fossil. And I'm Patrick at Catholic Pat. And we've got my boy, Mikey, in the studio. What's up, Mikey? And for, before we start, is there any way I can get an a.k.a. as well? You can be a.k.a. whatever you want. Okay. A.k.a. Needlemeister. That's AKA... obviously what it's going to happen. A.k.a. Needlemeister. Can you please change your Twitter handle to Needlemeister? I, well, if I change it, somebody might snatch up the other one, right? That's true. Okay, that's, that's start a separate dangerous. start a separate Twitter that's just the Needle Meister. No, just it's all change, your hidden just thoughts that name. you want to tweet. Just change like the top part. Oh, of the that's true. Yeah, you can change that as much. as I you will want. definitely do that. I yeah. will definitely do that. That's true. Just for you guys. If you haven't figured it out, we have Mikey Needleman. Yes. Uh, music, song, writer, uh, album extraordinaire, man, here on the podcast. <laughs> Sure, sure, that's me. <laughs> Is there a more accurate description of you? Um, I like to just say that I'm a singer-songwriter, and uh, and then let that kind of start the conversation. Singer-songwriter. Yes. That's wow. just kind of, kind of like Taylor thing. Swift, right? That's what Taylor Swift is? Exactly like Taylor Swift. That's literally why. So Mikey works at my parish, Patrick, in case you didn't know that, plus everybody oh, else did. who might not have known. That. 
Yeah, because you listen when I talk. But Mikey works yeah. in my parish. I've known you for like a long time. Sure. I remember when Ethan was like just this little freshman punk kid. Oh, gosh. And oh, please tell me all about it. A college <laughs> punk kid. Um, no, he was he was the he was the kind of kid in youth group that you know was like the first to raise his hand and the first to do anything, to, first to take initiative, which is good as a youth minister. Yeah, like you love those kids um, for the first five minutes of any conversation, <laughs> and then and then we're the most hated kids. Let's well, let somebody just... else talk now, Ethan. No, I yeah. guess exactly. it's the same way. Yeah. I still and am now, and now I have a podcast, and it's two first talking kids competing with each other. <laughs> The whole time. And people actually give us scores, too. I've had several people tell me they listen to the podcast, I only listen for Ethan, or I only listen for you, Patrick. And I'm like, by the way, the only listen for Ethan's are a lot more, so you're winning. Thank you. (laughs) Did you see that two-star review we got from that guy that said, I only listen for Patrick, this is a troll? Oh, yeah, I did see that. That was awesome. Did that? That hurt my feelings, and it wasn't even about me. (laughs) No, no, here's here's the good thing about two-star reviews because they look they make us look like we have actual critics right and that's a good thing but they the five star review doesn't go down at all so it's oh like oh yeah one one two star review is not going to do anything so if you really want to get us good get all of your friends to listen to the podcast and then tell us how much they hate it on itunes wonderful yeah so, Mikey, <laughs> so now that we're done talking about our iTunes scores, how did you get started in, like, music ministry? Like, where, where did that journey begin for you? That's a good question. So, um, I started playing guitar in, like, fifth grade. My dad gave me this amazing electric guitar um, and showed me a couple chords and stuff like that. And uh, started playing, and I had this neighborhood kid. Uh, we started a band. Um, I forget what the name our band was you forgot the name of your first band dude i was like in so many bands for like a week (laughs) Uh, but we were in this band and and he told me that he was going we were supposed to hang out one friday and he was like yeah i'm going to a lock-in and i was like what is that and he's like it's at my church and you should come like you know you're allowed to come you can be my guest so i went and it was a church lock-in i'd never been really involved with youth ministry before then but that was maybe i don't know sixth grade or so was this a protestant church it was oh boy it was united methodist yeah and uh and i was getting into you know music and they had like some instruments there and i started playing and their youth minister there was like i remember hearing the word youth minister for the first time you're like what never heard those two words put together <laughs> and uh no he he did he you know was immediately like hey can you play this song and he like put the chords out and it was sanctuary oh yeah that's the first time that like i played like a christian song and like everybody was singing i was playing and i was like whoa this is really cool you know like um i was recognized that i had you know something to offer as a sixth grader yes yeah um and uh and i think like a couple weeks later the youth minister said hey uh why don't you actually come with uh, the the guys? My friend's name was Kevin. He's like, why don't you and Kevin like lead music at our service, and like just like as a special guest, like come wow. in and, and play sanctuary and whatever. And we were like, okay, uh, we thought it was the coolest thing. Ever. Well, yeah, because you're like twelve. Yeah, got up on a on a Sunday morning, went to church and played in front of the congregation there, um, and that was my first experience. Um, but that that wasn't like necessarily like what really got me into you know leading and writing music for the church. That was I came later when I was in high school. Uh, Catholic youth minister Joe Passantino came up. Oh, to me shout out! And, yep, and <laughs> said, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, come to uh, Nativity Church and uh, and play in our in our band." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So I did that. I played drums and I played guitar and I played uh, bass in this band. Um, and I there was always this kind of like 
internal struggle. Okay, I want to be like in a really cool. I was obsessed with like Green Day. I'm like, <laughs> I want to be in Green Day. I want to be in like, you know, whatever. All these, you know, alternative rock bands. Uh-huh. I was like, Lincoln Park. Yeah. Well, actually, that Lincoln Park didn't come into the scene. For, that's how old I am. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, never so, mind. <laughs> I guess they were just starting out when I was. Uh, when Man, I was you were old. But anyways, they. Uh, I forgot what I said. So so. Uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to, you know, be playing Christian music only. And then I had this moment, I was probably maybe a junior in high school, where I was like, Mikey, you're like, this is what you're the best at. Like, you're really good at this style of music. Uh-huh. Like, being able to, like, play these chord shapes and stuff like that. And, like, I, I, to this day, I can't play punk rock music. Like, my, <laughs> my hands don't work that way. <laughs> so it was just really cool. Um, I had that kind of like okay moment where I was like okay like maybe this is kind of the, what I want to do uh-huh. still I still continue to play other kinds of music but I was much more open to like you know pursuing Christian music and writing Christian music because it, it really felt natural for me mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was had to be someone else it was like that's it just felt good so wow yeah so that's kind of how I got in out of high school and then continued through college and um, became a youth minister out of college and then uh, after two years of ministry uh, or I'm sorry, after four years of being a youth minister, I stepped out of the boat even more. And I, I started teaching music at a school, um, and then I became a youth music minister. And then uh, now I'm just the uh, director of worship at, at our parish. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of these stepping stones that kind of led me to full-time, for, out of min- from ministry to, like, full-time music ministry. That's a, quite the journey. Well, man. I didn't know there were that many steps There's in the Mikey Needleman <laughs> story. Yeah, and that's the abbreviated version. Yeah. So... That's cool. Uh, so when you were going through this whole process, you were obviously like writing music along mm-hmm. the way, and that was kind mm-hmm. of like a passion of yours. Did you ever struggle? Like you were talking about a little bit, like writing Christian music versus writing like secular music. Was that ever a struggle for you as you were deciding like what to write about and how you should write it when you were writing it? Like, is it going to be like praise and worship, or is it going to be introspective, or like what? How did sure. you determine where you were going to end up? I think. The thing for me was what came the most natural was writing prayers and writing uh, Christian music. That that was the easiest for me to do, mm-hmm. but it was also the hardest for me to uh, let anybody hear because I just felt like they were so much more important. You know, like I could write a song about my girlfriend at the time or write a, write a song about my friends or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And that was fine because it was it's like... It's easy, yeah. Yeah, it's like whatever. Like if they don't like it, fine. But like if I wrote a prayer and I like was leading people in worship in this prayer and it, like people were like oh that's not right like that's heresy or something like that <laughs> like I was just really um, reluctant to like kind of go you know all in on that uh-huh. so um, but then I think really what what kind of switched that over was um, I went to NCYC in uh, 2009 in Kansas City as a mm-hmm. youth minister as a, as a chaperone yeah and I just saw the church alive in these teens and the music that they were singing and the music that was really firing up, I was just like, man, I was like, I could, I could do that. I can write that. I have written that. This is what, that's what I write. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, after talking to another buddy of mine, we were just like, we're going to write a, we're going to write a Christian record. I'd already put out a CD before that was secular, mm-hmm. uh, just singer songwriter, you know, Jack Johnson, John Mayer kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, but this was like, we took a step and we we're like, let's just let's just go for the worship record and we did it and it, it it was really a natural thing for us so it didn't feel 
inauthentic. I thought it was, I, it, I felt I was afraid that it would be, mm-hmm. I was afraid that it would be, um, like I said, heretical at times, <laughs> uh, stuff, but we just really were very, uh, um, we just really chose everything we did very deliberately and, and prayed a lot about it and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So writing for the church. So that was kind of the moment in 2009. Wow. Now, I, I like Mike, so I like to think yeah. of myself as a little bit of a creative, but unfortunately, I I'm not. Um, so I I just want to know, like, do you have do you have like a do you have like a process, like a creative process or a songwriting process? Do you like do you like take a bath, like especially like a glass of cognac, and then start writing? Like what <laughs> what goes on? Have you been looking in my window? <laughs> no, that's not. That's not what it is. Um, I, was, I thought I brought no. something there. It's, that's that's just you, Patrick. You're the only one that does that. I can't. You know cognac. that I'm a young boy. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> It's amazing. I love that you just went to Kodiak, by the way. Like, it could have been anything. Um, I would say that, uh, that there's there's two different ways to write that I've found. One is just, I think, the most raw form of writing where it's three in the morning, you can't sleep, pick up the guitar, there's a melody, and then all of a sudden something beautiful comes out. And that's like a really special thing that has happened a few times for me. Um, that sometimes... Uh, you write a song like that in a matter of a night or, or a matter of an hour. And then sometimes you start that song, but you don't finish it until like months later. You know, you're like, there's this, just this part and you just kind of let it just kind of uh, marinate inside of you. And then it, it finally comes out. Um, so that's like the first way. And I think that's like the best way. Uh, that's the most, I guess, like moving and emotional way to do it. Um, but you can't control that. Because you can't just be like, okay, I need to be emotional now. Um, I need to be creative now. Um, you know, uh, I think the, all the other ways have been very mechanical in the fact that, like, I'm writing a worship record and I'm like, you know, the church has amazing music as it is. Um, that being said, I'd love to hear a song that really brings out, especially like the presentation of the gifts at, at Mass. Um, I'd really like to hear a song that, like, I would want to sing right then and there, like as I'm sitting and as I'm, as I'm passing the collection plate even, and as I'm watching the family take down the gifts, like I want to write something for that moment. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a little bit easier because you kind of just narrow things down. It isn't like, Oh, I've got this feeling in my heart that I've got to like put into a song. It's like, okay, put yourself in this situation. How long should the song be? Um, it needs to be congregational. Um, you need to be able to, um, you know, keep the words simple, but at the same time, you need to stay within this 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 framework of you know the offering of the gifts, the presentation of the gifts, and um, so that's a little bit. That's the second uh, way of doing things is like actually looking at where is the need, where is the uh, purpose of the song, rather than there's a song inside of me that I need to pull out. Right. So those are the kind of the, the two, and I would say my my pa- my past three records that I've put out, um, they're all very liturgical for that reason. They're all um, like a gathering song, sprinkling right sequences, psalms, stuff that are specifically like for the church and for liturgy. Mm-hmm. Didn't you have like because... the Easter or the Pentecostal uh, sequence like on your most recent record? Yeah. So at once a year at, at Easter, we sing the Easter sequence. Yeah. And it's really kind of awkward sometimes, especially if you're. Uh, 
congregation doesn't do it, and they should. You're not supposed to omit it at all. Right. Um, but a lot of times people will be like, oh, you know, we've got a lot of visitors here. We're not going to do <laughs> something special on Easter Sunday. Um, that's kind of weird because it, it comes right after the second reading and before the gospel acclamation. So typically right after the second reading, the music starts, and then everybody stands up for the gospel acclamation. Uh-huh. Well, they're supposed to remain seated for the Easter the sequence. sequence. Yeah. So um, at my church growing up, um, I feel like we just kind of like either skipped it or we just like recited it. You're not supposed to do those things. And I was like, well, the reason why it's being skipped or it's being omitted is because people don't know it because it only comes once a year. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, Pentecost sequence. Those are the two that are required. Um, there's other sequences that are optional, but we can go into that later. Um, but I was like, well, what, how can we get the congregation to sing? And I was like, let's sing a, uh, let, let's do like a call and response echo. You know, instead of just singing this melody that's crazy that people are hearing for the first time and expecting them to sing along with it, why don't we sing a few words so they hear it and they sing back mm-hmm. so that people even if they don't have their books open, even if the words aren't on the screen, they can just repeat what you're saying. And right. then all of a sudden, bam, they're involved. So uh, I wrote an Easter sequence and a Pentecost sequence that are both echo, call, and response style. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit longer, but you know, um, I think it's a lot. E- either we can go a little bit long with the call and response, or we can just go through the motions and maybe people listen and maybe they don't. Yeah. Uh, that like brings up an interesting point, too, because... Um, like liturgical music in and of itself is such like a hot button issue, at least nowadays among my circle and Twitter. Sure. Like people get so upset about liturgical music being written with guitars or with whatever, because it's supposed to be with, you know, organs and chants and poly polyphonic voices or, or whatever the, the, the encyclicals say, mm-hmm. you know, and those are like the preferences by the church. So like, how do you work within kind of, what the church has stated as far as music goes for something in the liturgy, like a sequence or, or a gathering song or whatever, um, with like the way you learn to write music and how you see like music working today in America. Sure. I mean, that's a very loaded question. First and foremost, I'm not trying to set you up for failure. No, that's all good. I'm just, I'm honestly curious. <laughs> well, and this is, this is something that I, you know, have to struggle with and wrestle with every Sunday mm-hmm. when I'm picking songs or picking how we're going to do them. Um, there's a lot of things here. First and foremost, um, the the organ is the official instrument of the church. You know that is that is how it is. The there's writings, uh, official church writings that say you know that the cantor and the organ should not be louder than the presider. These are these are definite frameworks that we're not trying to bend or to change and all that stuff. Right. Our church, we don't have an organ. Yeah. We just don't. You know, we go to church in a gym. Yes, we, right now we are. Uh, our church is only not even a year old. We'll be a year in a couple. Actually, by the time that this maybe is aired, we'll be a year old. Mm-hmm. We're meeting in a grade school gym. We don't have um, an organ. There's uh, tons of churches. Tons of churches that don't that have don't them. have that. Not necessarily out of that. You know, they spent money elsewhere. But you know, there's there's very poor churches that can't you know do that. So we're not we're not saying okay. Since we don't have an organ, we shouldn't give it that respect. What we're saying is that's not the framework we can we can work in. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's also the idea that you know we're a very small uh, parish right now as far as our talent pool. You know we have a few piano players um, that maybe can help. Um, we have I'm a guitar. I typically lead on guitar. Um, you know, we also let's say for example we had a phenomenal uh, flute player. 
we couldn't lead the congregation with flute, mm -hmm. you know. So mm -hmm. we have to find the instrument that we really want to use um, that's going to work and do what we want. Another uh, thing, going back to the organ thing, that I think is really important is that the organ really was the first synthesizer. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. it's designed, if you look at an organ, the, the stops, that's where the, the uh, term pulling out all the stops means. <laughs> the stops, like say, like horns, harp, like all these different instruments that it's trying to mimic, mm -hmm. right? Because the technology of the day, they were trying to mimic, make a beautiful, majestic sound out of these pipes. And they were able to, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, we have modern day synthesizers too. Yeah, I'm not saying we're supposed to play Van Halen Jump at the <laughs> beginning of that. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that technology has evolved, um, and just because the technology is there doesn't mean that it's any less uh, reverent out of you know the way the person's playing it. Mm -hmm. um, the Book of Psalms says, "Skillfully play the harp, skillfully play songs to the Lord." You know, if it's not the organ. Um, or it's not a piano, it doesn't mean that it's not skillfully done and not uh, reverently done and done in the heart to glorify God. Right. And that's exactly what it's supposed to supposed to do. Um, also, singable music is so important. Um, our culture right now, I mean, the amount of music that our culture is being exposed to all the time is changing so much. I mean, music is so disposable. So those catchy little melodies and stuff and repeating things that is good for our culture I would never throw the baby out with the bathwater and say we shouldn't do all creatures of our God and King by St. Thomas Aquinas mm -hmm. because that is a beautiful song filled with such deep and rich theology and I love doing that song um, that being said we also have to acknowledge the fact that if we want people to praise and, and participate we need to make that um, available to them the opportunity we shouldn't water things down. We shouldn't, you know, take shortcuts and make excuses and, you know, do songs that aren't the theologically accurate. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we, but we got to acknowledge the fact that Joe Schmo, who hasn't been to church in 15 years, is making the decision, is he going to come back? Yeah. And if we say, well, you know, if he doesn't like it because he can't, you know, sing Latin, you know, then that's his own problem. That's not being uh, pastoral. That's not being... Uh, Evangelical, that's that's being cold and that's being um, not good. So a lot of the music that I, when I have to choose music, write music, I keep that in mind. I keep I keep in mind not only the guy who's been um, a, a deep Catholic for his whole life and is you know in the diaconate program, mm -hmm. but I'm also thinking about the guy who left the church and is possibly contemplating taking his own life, but decided to go to church one more time to hear God's word. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that might be two extremes. But that's what we got to try. That's what you have to think about. Try yeah. to think about, yeah, when we're doing these things. So you, hope that answers your question. Oh, my goodness. So you brought up a good point about watering down um, lyrics and stuff. And uh, we had we had a friend, Gomer. He just mentioned how much he loves getting shouted out. But Gomer mentioned that, like, a lot of modern worship songs are, quote, unquote, like, vacation Bible school for adults, where it's just cheesy lyrics that are true but, like, watered down and just repeat, repeat, repeat. And so where do you where do you draw that line or how do you avoid like you yourself avoid um, watered down lyrics or overly simplified theology in your lyrics? I would say, especially for these past couple of records that I've done is I usually start with the catechism or with official church documents um, 
when I'm looking for inspiration. So I wrote a song called Healing in the Water. So it's actually written as a sprinkling rite or as um, a gathering song for the Easter season, you know, the water of baptism, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just looked up, I just, you know, on the USCCB website, I looked up, okay, what are our teaching on baptism? You know, what what is it about that? You know, and, and one of the things that came up that is directly in there, hopefully I'm not plagiarizing. I <laughs> publisher doesn't think so at least. Um, but one of them was um, you know by one spirit we are one we are one body through the same Holy Spirit and there's a line in it, it says by one spirit we are one you know I know that that's true and I know that that's that's deeply theological and mind-blowing when I think about that okay by one spirit we are one in our baptism it's like wow like that you could you could do hour-long talks just on that mm -hmm. um, another thing is you know we are it is in our baptism that we are striving for sanctity that's like the first sacrament we have imagine all the sacraments hopefully that we'll have over our lifetime and of course the re reoccurring sacraments of, of Eucharist and um, of reconciliation and all that stuff it's it's like that's the first one I mean right when you have your baptism right when that happens at first sacrament you have so much more to to live through in your life it's a beautiful thing so it's like we strive for sanctity um there's another line that i i put in there is striving for that um uh, being immersed in purity these are all like things that have come out of the official teachings of the church so i'm not trying to reinvent the wheel by any means what i'm trying to do especially when i write for the church um, and it probably came out of fear of heresy. Um, <laughs> it's was, not a bad fear to have. Yes, was <laughs> that um, just like, no, let, let's go to see what the official church teachings are. Start there. And then we know that we're not going to be leading people, you know, down something that's either false or B, like isn't uh, just beautifully deep with the theology inside of it. Um, it's not really my place. See, the thing with Gomer is Gomer is a modern day theologian and I respect him a ton. I don't have the knowledge that Gomer has, you know, I couldn't dissect these things and bring out different points. So what I'm doing is I'm giving, I'm taking what the church has already taught us, which is already further than my brain can even comprehend and just putting it on there, um, with different, uh, melodies and different, um, you know, we call it prosody, which is the marriage between the lyrics and the melody. So, for example, this is going on tangent, but for example, when we say, sing the word high, it wouldn't be smart to sing that in a low voice. We wouldn't be like, we lift our hands high. You know, that make <laughs> it doesn't sense. make any sense. Yeah. So, like, you know, those things where we're saying, you know, we lift our hands high, our glory to God in the highest. Swing you know? low, <laughs> sweet cherry. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. That's a good uh, example for us. So, you know, using those things that already uh, such rich uh, teaching of the church and then uh, putting the art, the artistry in it, having the creativity and the creative license to, to do that. So I think that answers your question. I hope that answers Patrick's question. Yeah. It did answer Patrick's question. Thank you very much for answering Patrick's question. And I, I think I think that's what makes it also a lot less stress-free. Like when I'm writing the Psalms and the sequences, is that those aren't my words. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have to. Yeah. It's like all I'm doing is is there's truth and there's beauty in those words, and then what I'm also doing is just letting them come to life in my way. Not that any other virgin version 
version <laughs> of the, the songs out there aren't good. Not to say that their melodies aren't good. Not to say that their keys aren't good. I'm just saying this is my take on them, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with putting your your style on things as long as you're not changing the meaning of, of what, what's there. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I think the temptation is for, I mean, people who just kind of read a little bit, learn a little bit about church more so than your average uh, Sunday-going Catholic does is to want to elevate things to like the not the lowest common denominator anymore like you were talking about like the temptation is like this is how it is in the documents and this is how it's supposed to be and we're not doing it this way which means we're liturgically abusive and we need to call the bishop you know and like we don't ever think about the people like you talked about you know the people on the fringes and i think music as as music is so prevalent in our culture i think that's one way that a lot of Catholic masses fail is that either by using music a that's tries to be too relevant like modern or B tries to use music that we've been using since the Mm seventies or C tries to go all out on the Latin and everything. And like all three of those fail for different reasons and we can't seem to find like a happy medium, but like for whatever reason, the Protestant churches have no problem doing it. You know, like that's very interesting to me. Sure. And I, there's so many things. I mean, we steal songs from the Protestants all the time. Be Thou My Vision. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Mighty Fortress. Um, all, there's Amazing Grace. All these are, are staples. Um, and there's probably people out there who are really diehard um, lit, lit, liturgists who would say, well, those are all terrible. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also people who are, you know, diehard modernists who would be like, those are terrible. <laughs> But I think you're absolutely right. I think the thing is, is what we're not supposed to do is we're not supposed to say, okay, since this is this, then we have to get rid of it all. Like, since this is wrong, we have to get rid of all of it. Or since this is the church's teaching and I don't want to do that, I don't have to follow any of the church's teaching. I think the whole thing is, is to be creative, especially as a musician, on how you're going to be able to do things that are liturgically accurate, that are... um, reaching the traditionalists, reaching the modernists, reaching the unchurched, reaching the children, reaching the families. You're never going to be able to do that well. There's not a formula to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to be able to get it perfect. 
doesn't mean you can't try every single time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're called to do. As we're called to be saints. Saints still sinned. Saints still messed up. Um, saints kept trying. But we're not supposed to say, oh, well, since I can't please you know, God every second of my life, I'm not going to try. Yeah. It's to say, since I can't, you know, I'm going to try even though perfection isn't something that I'm probably going to be able to attain anytime soon, mm-hmm. but I'm going to strive for that. Yeah. So I think uh, my, my personal formula that I always try to use for, for congregations, even if I'm at our church or if I'm uh, a guest somewhere else, is I always try to do one uh, hymn from at least before the 1900s, you know, possibly before even 1800s. Right. I always try to do one of those. Um, I always try to do one, what I call oldie, oldie goldie Catholic song, like uh, One Bread, One Body. Yeah. The, 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 the ones that were written in the 70s, 80s that are just the standard. Um, why? Um, is because that guy who hasn't been to church in 15 years, that, that could be the only song that he knows, knows. and the only song mm-hmm. that he's going to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it, it's, it is a kind of a common denominator. All Catholics have heard One Bread, One Body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a one ancient, one oldie goldie, and then um, I always make sure to try to put one worship tune in there, like, um, I don't know, One Thing Remains, one of those really easily your love never fails and never gives up never gives up on me whatever the mm-hmm. thing is <laughs> you guys know uh, but something like that um, yeah. that is repetitive and easy that somebody can leave church saying with that in their head mm-hmm. they've never heard it before mm-hmm. and they can be like okay that and then all the other songs are kind of just based on the readings and the um, you know um, just kind of up in the air grab bags um, that's that's how I try to hit as many of the people as possible again I will always fail and there's not a perfect way to do it mm-hmm. so I um, I, I always love it when the the music minister and the and the priest coordinate you know like when they actually talk to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, this this one uh, this this one time I was at mass and the pastor was giving a homily on um, uh, your eyes on a sparrow that's sort of like his eye on the sparrow is why like yeah, that whole thing. God feeds the birds of the air. Why don't he take care of you? And so he, the the priest, really focused on the sparrow, and then the music minister played Audrey Assad's sparrow, and it was awesome. And everyone was like really meditative, and I was like, yes, this is it. This is good. That's awesome. Was was the music minister just by himself or herself? Um, yes. So they may have just decided to play it on in in the spur of the sure. moment but yeah and, and that's that's one of the awesome things is you we can plan all we want but something like that happens and you're just like oh man and that's honestly why sometimes i really do enjoy playing just me and my guitar and not other people is because those moments happen mm-hmm. uh which is a beautiful moment you know um other times you're, you're absolutely right um planning your homilies and inviting the music minister in on that is amazing because not only is the music minister going to be able to say, "Hey, we should do this song," um, but it also just strengthens that that bond between the staff and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there there's many times where I've gotten lucky, and that offertory song, the, the presentation of the gift song, is also like the priest sets it up, and you can knock it down <laughs> in that moment. 
you know. Yeah. Um, so it isn't just like, okay, we'll sing Mighty to Save here, no matter <laughs> what. It's like, you know, th- that song is so important. They're all important. That song is so important because that's right after the creed. It's right after the prayers of the faithful. And It's the transition into the liturgy of the Eucharist. Exactly. Like, it's huge. Yeah. So it could be just such a great time to really just be like, boom, and really just like push all those points that the priest just made in mm-hmm. the homily home. Um, there's, you know, not enough songs in the world to be, or I, I guess I probably can't learn enough songs in the world to be able to be ready for every single homily about any subject. <laughs> but yeah, that does come up and it's very, very special when it does, especially if like you haven't coordinated with your priest and you just happen to pick the right song. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's the Holy Spirit moving. Yeah. And you, Mikey. I mean, the, the offertory, now, now that I think about it, the offertory is really like a, a unique part of mass because there's, you're really just sitting by yourself. There's really nothing happening except for like just setting up for the liturgy of the Eucharist. So you're kind of just sitting. It's really, it really is all on the music. Yeah. And I, I, I know, I notice when it's a miss. Like it's really obvious when the when the uh, offertory song is a miss, where it's like, ah, this is this is only an okay song. This is doesn't really fit. Sure. Music that fits is important. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. Let's. Ethan was about to say something. Well, real quick, I want to comment on that. Is I had kind of this moment. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I think, man, I hate to give him another shout out, but I think I was talking to Gomer at the time. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang, man. Keep Sorry. catching foxes off Sorry, this podcast. Um, but no, I said, you know, Gomer, I was like, isn't this like, isn't the time of the presentation of the gifts, and so people call it the offering, the offertory, the, you know, whatever, preparation. Money time. Yeah. Uh, which very rarely, you know, in daily mass will they pass, you know, yeah. you know, whatever. But anyway, I said, isn't this like a miniature advent? You know, isn't that like two, three minutes, like an entire advent where we are like awaiting the bread of life to feed us? And ever, ever since then, I've just really been blown away with the graces when you have that disposition where you're like, not like, oh, reaching for my wallet or... Or no, like, like you know, sneak a check at my cell phone or something like that. Like, when you're really like, okay, this is this is the entire month of December in a matter of two and a half minutes, three minutes. You know, and yeah, I mean, I think that, and it's so jam-packed. I mean, not only are we bringing up our gifts, but, you know, the prayers of the faithful are also being put on the altar. And the the priest is, is washing his hands, and um, there's that, that sign of water again, and I mean, there's so much going on there that we just kind of like, it's almost like intermission sometimes. <laughs> but uh, Get up, go to the bathroom, get some popcorn, come yeah. back. Pass the basket. Pass the yeah. basket. You got it. Exactly. So it's I, I, it's just such a beautiful time of the Mass that I think mm-hmm. I encourage all our listeners to like go to, um, go into that time thinking like, okay, this is like Advent. You know, Jesus is going to be here. We're preparing for him. And it's even more than just like the month of December. It's thousands of years of Israel waiting for the Messiah, you know? Boom. That's that's massive. That changes everything. Absolutely. Go to Mass. That's wait, that's that's what? That's massive? <laughs> oh Patrick Nevy. Ah, yeah. oh, right there, swish. <laughs> All right, Ethan, you were going to ask a question. Yeah, well, I wanted to say kind of on the point earlier that we were talking about about how like coordination with the priest because I knew you've had it a bit both ways, you know, now at 
um, JP2 and, and working at other parishes in the past, like now it's it's pretty small environment, small parish staff. Um, you're really close with, with our priest. Shout out Father Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the past, you might have worked at a parish where the parish staff is huge. The There are thousands of families and, you know, two priests running around trying to make it happen. Um, is there a difference in the way that you are able to effectively minister through music in those different situations? Um, and what do you think that like looks like for, for other parishes kind of around the country? Absolutely. I think... Um this is such a generic answer, but it's always the right answer. Is that that's what we love here on the crunch? Prayer is <laughs> is the go to, and I don't say like necessarily prayer for me and for Father Andrew individually, but it, prayer as a staff. Um, even if you have you know a bunch of things on your agenda to get to, and music may or may not be one of them, praying with your staff and being vulnerable with your staff is like one hundred percent the most important thing you can do in that time. Um, that being said, when that happens, I start to see Father Andrew's heart um, when he shares. Our staff does high, low, medium, and funny. It used to be just highs and lows. We do <laughs> high, low, medium, um, and we do a funny. And uh, that's to me, that's more important than talking about you know who's going to be in charge of the bake sale or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that moment, I get to hear Father Andrew's heart. I get to hear... Uh, Cindy's heart, who's, who's our uh, parish director, and you know, I, I, then all of a sudden we're on the same team, and we're not just like a bunch of people off in our corners that come together to shout out what we need and then leave again. We're there listening to each other. So I think that's that's the most important thing. And any staff size, any parish size, you need to make that a priority. Um, absolutely, mm-hmm. I've been I've worked for this is my fourth parish that I've worked with, and it's. Honestly, we're starting a church in a field, a soybean field, um, out of nothing. And it has been the best experience as far as how the staff relates to each other because um, we are just really rooted in that time together. We have two staff meetings a week. Some parishes have one staff meeting a, a month. month. Yeah. yeah. We have two a week. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of time. You know, we, we know that. We know um, that, that that's what it is, but that's that needs to happen. So... Um, you know, our priests, there's no, I can't in any way say that our priests aren't, uh, too busy because they are, they are so busy. They're absolutely so busy. Um, so we need to make, um, a conscious effort to honor their time, not to, uh, monopolize their time, but at the same time, they also need to make it a priority to pray with their staff mm-hmm. at the very least, mm-hmm. even if there's no agenda items, just pray, um, and that, and that, that obviously, so, so the answer is prayer, and that always just leads to other things. What needs to get done will get done. The conversation needs to uh, happen will, will happen. At the very least, I know what's on Father's heart that day. Yeah. I know what's, on, what's been on his heart that week, and um, I know probably the demeanor in which he's going to preach on Sunday. You know, so that always helps. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do also, you know, on Tuesdays, we talk about the previous week, how could we do better, how, what we did well. Um, and then on Thursdays, we talk about the upcoming week and what we want to do. And every once in a while, Father has his homilies uh, ready. Um, he'll tell me what he's going to preach about, and I'll do my best to pick music that goes well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, I'm, I'm going to always read the readings and try to uh, pick songs that go along with the readings, because then, or, or the feast day or something like that. Yeah. Uh, because then, 
usually father's going to talk about something like that and the music's going to fit for sure yeah music selection i always think that i can do it better but the answer is i probably can't (laughs) you know what i always think that i can do it better but the answer is i probably can't but that means it means we're not going to stop trying though that's the whole point is like as a music minister like my job is to never be standing water and never be complacent and as future saints that's what we're also called to do is never be standing water and always be looking for ways to improve nice saint needlemeister i agree patrick what do you think we put him in the crunch bowl Ooh, i don't even know what that is what oh my gosh i'm so excited all right let let's put him in the crunch bowl oh what do, what do we ask him first um mikey mikey what what is what is your favorite cereal captain crunch hey that's hey, a good one there it is uh are we just gonna are we gonna repeat the same questions for all of our guests every time no no <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, here's a good one. This is relevant. Okay. What's your favorite praise and worship song right now? Right now? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So there's a lot of good ones that have been floating around recently. And it's not very new. I mean, it's new in the 2,000-year history of the church. Yeah. But Holy Spirit um, by, uh, our last name is Torwalt. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit, you are welcome, welcome here. here. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing that you go to that one, and it's just like you can sing that at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what what do I sing? What do I do? Mm-hmm. What, you know, the presentation of the gifts, yeah. the gathering song. Yep. Yep. Like, you just be like, this is adoration. It's such a beautiful uh, song, especially that cor- or that uh, bridge that's uh, let us become more aware of your presence. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, let us, yeah, that's, it's beautiful. And, uh, yeah, it might be overplayed, but yeah. I still love it. I've been really big on Oh Come to the Altar lately. Oh, yeah. Like, that is a Protestant song, but it's so Catholic. Sure. It's so Catholic. I love it. And there's the thing is, is it's a Protestant so- song that says altar, and there's Catholic songs that say table. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, it's crazy <laughs> how those words are interchanged. But they Come do have... to the feast of heaven and earth. <laughs> yes. Come to the table. <laughs> yes. Come and be no, oh my gosh, there are so many Protestant songs that are super Catholic. Ever be that one's so good because it talks about like bridal unity and the body of Christ. It's so good. And then there's another one, it's escaping my mind right now. That's but my favorite one. It's escaping my mind right it. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate it. That's, what it is. That's right. That's the name of the song. It's a Celine Dion song. Here's a question. Mikey, do you crumple or fold your toilet paper? Um, I fold. I'm a folder. Wow. Yeah, I'm a folder. Does that I take a lot of forth. effort? I flip flop. I always crumple. What about you, Ethan? I've been a crumpling man since really? day one. Yeah. Like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I just want to know. Do you use what ply? Do you use? Do you use one or two ply? Yes. Oh, here it comes. Oh, I'm ready. Start with Charmin Ultra Strong. End with Charmin Wet Wipes. Oh. I'm going to just drop that on you two yeah. and the rest of your followers that try it once and you better budget for it next time because it's like the most You're a whole fresh, new man. Yeah, it's like I just got out of the shower again. You walk you walk out of the bathroom, you're squeaky a little bit when you walk. Nice. It's, it's incredible. If you can afford them, it's, I mean, they cost just the amount of what toilet paper does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's life-changing. It's almost kind of like going to the chiropractor. It's like... Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Like, you go once to the and you're like, oh, I haven't been doing this my whole life. So, yeah, good luck. Yeah. But, but yeah, so 
there's there's your answer. It 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 changes. It changes throughout. Uh, question: uh, Who's your favorite baseball team? Oh man, you had to ask. <laughs> yep, I have two favorites. Ugh. I have two favorites. Which uh, one are you going to say Royals. First? I, I grew up a Royals fan here in Kansas City. Um, and uh, all my friends were Royals fans. Well, the thing was, is we went through a 30-year drought of being ter- like literally being terrible. Awful. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. Like We were terrible. Mike Sweeney was a Royal. He was a five-time uh, all-star or something like that. Incredible player. He was still not good enough to like mm-hmm. carry the team. Mm-hmm. They were terrible. So... Um, so it was never bandwagon. Now the Royals won the world. They went to World Series in 2014. They won in 2015. Hey Not bandwagon. No. You can't be a Royals fan and say that you're bandwagon. No. Because we were terrible. There are pictures so of me at Royals games in like 2002 <laughs> when yes. it was like exactly. bad. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I Man, I have so much Royal stuff that I feel like maybe in like third or fourth grade, I remember like even at grade school people being like oh you like the royals like <laughs> i like the atlanta braves you know <laughs> back when really the braves good were good time, you know like that's the thing or like i like the colorado rockies because they're like the new the new team you like okay. the thunder i like the golden state warriors shut up <laughs> exactly so anyways oh sports so and then uh and then i'm also a huge chicago cubs fan because my my parents were chicago cubs fans so i was a cradle cub my whole life. <laughs> the thing was, is as everybody knows, the Cubs just lost or just won the World Series last year in 2016 after an over 100 year drought of winning the World Series. So I, there's no way that I can be upset right now call, or be called a, a bandwagon guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's been the greatest three years of baseball ever. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and on top of that, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm half Puerto Rican. And Puerto Rico won the uh, World Baseball Classic in the offseason. Really? So like, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was like all these like amazing baseball stuff has happened and it's just it's incredible. Yeah. So for those of you who don't like is sports, ne- I apologize. No. Is Needleman a Puerto Rican name? <laughs> Not at all. That's a <laughs> Jewish name. My uh gotcha. my grandpa was Jewish on my dad's side and uh, uh my dad uh converted when he got married, when he married my mom. Um, my, my dad really wasn't uh raised Jewish, but uh he he joined the Catholic Church. That's two guests in a row we've had that have had Jewish fathers, for the, by, for the record, Patrick. Can we keep this going? If anyone else has a Jewish dad, come, <laughs> come on, on the show. podcast. <laughs> Ethan, is your dad Jewish? No, my dad's because, super German. Because you got a big nose. Oh, boom. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're just bullying There it now. is. Yeah, everybody just lay it on thick. Um, Mikey, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've had, like, octopus or shark, you know? I mean, to some people... That's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's, to that's some weird. people that might be, like, whatever, that's just calamari, you know? I would never put a tentacle in my mouth. That was the thing, Yeah, it was just weird. Because, like, what if it starts moving in there? <laughs> well, yeah, what if it just, like, sticks to your mouth? Because, like, you know how starfish can, like, regrow? It's got suction cups on it, exactly. Like, octopi can, like, from the tentacle... Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like if I swallowed a tentacle, then an octopus would start to grow in my tum tum, and I don't want that. I don't want that for you either. Thank you, Mikey. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. Don't drink water after eating fish because the fish will swim around and make your tummy go crazy. So true. <laughs> so true. That was a that was a tweet of Ethan's like a year ago. Yeah, that was a nice throwback. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> You're welcome, Mikey. Uh, where can people find you? How should they find you? Listen to you? Care about you? Uh, follow what you do. 
Yeah, well, thank you for asking. Um, I have such a unique name with Needleman. If you know a Needleman, you know you know my whole family. So, <laughs> um, if you uh, just look up Mikey Needleman, and that's M I K E Y, not M I C K E Y. My whole life, people just default to Mickey. I don't know. That why. doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Do why. they know the English language? They well, it's just, it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like Bill and Billy, you just put an L or a Y after the L, and like Mikey, you just put a Y after the E. Mike, people will yeah. still stick a C in C it. I don't know why. Make any sense? But either way, so uh, just Mikey Needleman is pretty much uh, everywhere um, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. It's Mikey Needleband um, because. No, I'm sorry. On Insta- yeah, Instagram is not- it's Mikey Needleband because I do it through my my band. Because Mikey Needleman band is too many it's characters. Too long. Yeah. Um, Twitter wouldn't let me do that, yeah. so I had yeah. to change. So all my music stuff. This is a long answer. I apologize. No, this is good. This is the people want to know. Is Mikey Needleband? That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Wow. And I think that's it. I think also like Periscope. It. I feel like nobody's <laughs> using that anymore. Um, well, Twitter took it over. Exactly, so you can use it on Twitter. So, and then, uh, and then my personal, like non-band stuff, is just at Mikey Needleman at pretty much everything. So, um, also MikeyNeedleman.com. Um, there's videos. And your music is on Spotify, Spotify iTunes, Title, um, Amazon. Um, I feel like it's on like it's on Napster. Weird, maybe probably Napster. Napster. Yeah, Napster. it's on weird things like. Um, Xbox Music or something like really? that. Really? Do I, I? I don't, don't game. I, we have a PlayStation, so I don't know. It's out of my out of my wheelhouse. They have like so I get a report back from like where people like download my music, and there's like on weird stuff like GameCube Radio, and I'm like, <laughs> like what is what? that <laughs> or something? I do also have a Pandora station. My my publisher, World Library Publications, really uh, set me up with a Pandora station. So nice. You can look me up on Pandora and listen to my music there, along with you know whoever. Whoever they, else pops up. They think is similar to me. Yeah. John Mayer and Ed Sheeran. Green Day. Green Day. Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> Kanye. Yeah. Very good. Nice. That's all the stuff. Uh, any final things you want people to know just about music, about church, about Jesus, about the Cubs? Anything. Anything you want to lay down on the people before we sign it out? I guess um, kind of the thing I always tell people is, it, a very logical way of thinking things. If we were created for heaven, then then we were created to sing because we know that in scripture, the angels are singing. They're not dancing. They're not doing podcasts. They're not playing sports. Um, they're not. They're not. Re- you know, uh, rehearsing one act plays. They are singing, and we know that. And they're singing holy, 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 and they're giving praise to God. So, if we were created to go to heaven, we were created to worship. We were created to sing. Just like Buddy the Elf, everyone can sing. It's just like talking, but louder and longer. Um, and to really embrace that, to embrace that in your spiritual journey, to say, uh, this is important to me, that I that I sing, because that's what I was created for. And it's like you're practicing. And Mass is a beautiful um, you know, representation of that. We're all surrounding God in the Eucharist, singing holy, holy, holy. That's a beautiful thing. So um, embrace that. Don't don't say don't don't gripe over oh the song's too high or I'm too tired or anything like that like you're created for more than that wow that was dope I feel bad for doing a podcast and not writing an album now 
<laughs> so thanks. Ethan, 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 let's... No, no, let's write an album. nope, I see where you're going. Ethan, let's write an We're album. We're not doing it. I will produce it. Th- oh, well, if you're producing it, then <laughs> we can make it good. This is going to be so Big good. Big news, exclusive for those of you that made it to the end of the episode. <laughs> Here's my question, though. Yeah. How, I mean, how many people listen to your podcast? Can we say that on air, Patrick? Of course we can. Yes. About 1,500 1, every week. 1,500 every week. Yeah. There's not 1,500. Wait, we're up to 1,500 every yeah, week. Yeah, did I tell you that? No. We're up to 1,500 every week. There's not 1,500 people oh every gosh. week who listen to my music. No way. So it's like, who, you know, who's, who's building the church? You know, keep it up. Keep yeah, up the good work. Yeah, good point. Saying. Thank you, Mikey. Yeah. I appreciate that. Patrick. I'll listen to your music. <laughs> Patrick, you got anything else for Mikey or anybody before we head out? No, it was really good talking to you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you so much. This was so much needed for just like the young church to kind of understand, like from a a a, a wizened perspective as yourself, it's someone that's seasoned. done this, someone has done this for a long time and has experience and practically how to implement good music in the liturgy and just in general in life. Like this is so important. So, like, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. And if anybody has you know questions about stuff or anything that I can clarify. Um, this is the, I'm afraid that I said something heretical part of it. Um, <laughs> please reach out to me so I can, uh, so I can assist you in that. Awesome. All right. Well, in that case, I really have to pee, so I'm going to close it out. I feel like I close it out that way every week, saying that I really have to go to the bathroom in some way. <laughs> uh, but thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you on the Twitters. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.